Um, free market, which is an awesome opportunity for you guys to give back to those in this community who are less fortunate um, and have far more needs than most of us, is coming up. And so what we'd ask you guys to do is continue to collect gently used and or new. Um, if God convicts you and or compels you to go out and buy some new stuff to do at the free market, that's definitely awesome. Um, continue to bring that in here. We are actually going to do something we've never done before. We're not going to have free market here in this building. Um, we're going to have it at Portsmouth First Nazarene Church on the corners of 3rd and Brown Street down in the East End. Um, their pastor there is, um, we've become friends with their pastor, with Brian there, and he's just an awesome dude who loves the Lord, their body of believers there, their church. They love Jesus. They have a heart for the East End, which is um, a place that's also near and dear to our heart that God has really convicted us about. So we're going to work with them. It's going to be May the 18th. It's a little bit of a date change. I think it's a week earlier than we had initially communicated to you guys. It's going to be Saturday, May the 18th from 1 to 5 in the afternoon. So um, because we've never done free market this way before, we're going to probably be working through some logistical hurdles. But as of right now, our typical um, typical model will still work. You guys will bring your stuff here. We'll sort it here, and we'll work out the logistics of delivering it there. So I do think, do we still have free market sign-up sheets, or are we going to be playing that by ear? Yep. There'll be some free market sign-up sheets over by the door for you guys to sign up if you're interested in volunteering tonight. Also, um, before our service starts every night, you see the nursery list scrolls through for the upcoming weeks. Um, We've had a nursery sign-up sheet, um, and if you have been on the list in the past and not asked to be removed, um, we've assumed you want to stay there, so we want to continue to have you volunteer. But if you're interested in the nursery and that program, that ministry, um, see me or see Corey in the back. He's the guy on the computer. He'll, he'll hook you guys up um, with getting you plugged into volunteering there. And then lastly, um, we have been announced for a few weeks that here in the near future, we're going to leave this location. Um, we literally pray every Sunday night before church starts that the building stays upright for the whole service. So that's, part, that's the primary reason we're leaving. So you guys are reasonably safe, um, but your exits are to your right and to your left, just in case something crazy happens. It's not really that bad. Um, but we'll be... Um, we're, target, we're, we're shooting for early June, the first weekend in June, to be um, at Christ Community Church, um, which is back in Portsmouth, a little further from here. Um, it's, on the, it's on the corner of 25th and Thomas Avenue. If you guys don't know where that is or you're not familiar, um, get with myself, get with Ryan, get with Matt, get with Eric or Corey, one of our interns. We'll be glad to get you guys plugged in. And if for some reason that logistically doesn't work out for you, you need a ride or whatever, we're committed to making that work for you guys. And so let us know. We'll try to help you guys out. So with that, I'll pray. And then we're going to go ahead and get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that, um, I want to pray for our folks who are in college right now, Lord. I know that we're getting towards the time of the year where, where schedules kind of get crammed and compressed. There's a lot going on, and I'm just, we are grateful that they've chosen to be with us on this Sunday night um, as finals near and graduation nears. And Lord, we just pray um, for those folks who may be leaving us this year through graduation, that you'll just go with them, that you will be faithful in um, sending your spirit to follow them as you've been faithful in sending your spirit here to be with us. And Lord, it's just, it is just a privilege to worship with these folks, to call this my church home, to worship with people who love you so dearly, but are so willing to admit their brokenness, to, to point out their failures and just beg for your mercy. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to call you our king. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How are you doing, Revolution? Okay. Now, look, I understand it's Sunday night. It's been a long weekend. You're tired. I'm tired. But that was lame, so let's do it again. How are you doing, Revolution? All right, I'll let you go. So, 
We are pushing through the Gospel of Mark. We're almost through the Gospel of Mark. We'll be through here in about three or four weeks. Um, tonight, we're finishing up chapter 12. Uh, we're going to start in verse 13. That, if you're in the Blue Bibles, that's page 608. So, if you're looking at a Blue Bible, page 608. By the way, if you do not have a Bible, or if the Bible you have is just hard to read or whatever, and you find this one easier to read, please take this Bible with you. It's our gift to you. Otherwise, you're going to go to Mark 12, verse 13. Now, we're talking tonight about criticism. Um, how, as a Christian, do you handle disagreements, criticism, arguments, debates, um, that kind of thing? Um, believe it or not, I know, I know it's hard to imagine. I, I faced a little criticism um, in my life. Um, and and I, I've handled most of it, um, what's the word, badly. Um, I, I just do not handle it, handle it well. And, um, you know, I, I, I was told from fairly early on, um, long before I went to law school, um, back when I start, first started working in politics when I was uh, 19, 20 years old, people would tell me, um, you need to go to law school. And I now know that was an insult because I just liked to, they, they, they were just like, all this guy wants to do is argue, so you might as well, like, earn a living arguing, so they were telling me, that's why they were telling me to go to law school. I like to argue, I like to debate, I like to fight, that's my go-to, that's my default, um, and so yeah, I struggle with this. I really, really struggle with this, and so then, you know, to make matters worse, Facebook came along, <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and Facebook is just like you know, um, it's not gasoline on a fire. It's like a nuke on a fire, right? I mean, it, Facebook is one of those things where you can say something totally innocuous, like, I like puppies, and people argue with you, <laughs> right? Somebody will say something nasty or, or whatever. And, and, and so you've got that going on. What do you do there? I mean, when I, when I first discovered Facebook after I decided um, that MySpace was lame five minutes after I'd been on it, that, and I went to Facebook, I thought Facebook, the whole point of Facebook was to see how terrible the people you went to high school now look. And, um, and it still is. I mean, that's still part of the, part of the charm. But um, I didn't realize that there would be all this arguing and, and, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and everybody just always just want to contend for everything. So tonight, we're going to look and see how Jesus actually faced um, criticism and, and all this kind of stuff. And how much can we follow Jesus on this? And how much is this just Jesus? Right? Um, you know, we, as Christians, we try to follow Jesus, but sometimes you can't follow Jesus. Um, you know, if you get nailed to a cross, okay, you're a martyr, but you're not saving the world, right? Um, only Jesus can do that, um, and, and that kind of thing. So there's certain things only Jesus can do. And so we're going to look at this tonight and talk about it a little bit. Let's look at verse 13. Uh, later, the leader sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. All right, so right off the bat, we know that the, the Pharisees are not interested in a conversation. They're not interested in real dialogue. They just want to trap him. And Jesus being Jesus knows this. Verse 14. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. They're lying about that. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Now, understand that this question is being asked in a time where Israel sees itself as being occupied by a foreign power. So, you know, this, this question whether or not to pay taxes, right, was not just being dodgy, 
right? We just passed tax day. If you don't pay your taxes, you know, the IRS is going to come after you. Things are going to get nasty, all that kind of stuff. But in their day, it was considered maybe you shouldn't pay taxes to be a revolutionary and to stand up to the Roman Empire. Then there were, but if you said that, then the Romans come down and they smack you around. So you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. And that's why they ask him this kind of question. Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. So right off the bat, he calls them on what they're on trying to do, right? And then he says, show me a Roman coin and I tell you. And when they handed it to him, which means they had one, right? And on a Roman coin, by the way, is the picture of Caesar declaring him divine, which created other problems for Jews. When they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazing. He totally got out of the trap, and, and, and he does so by making a theological point um, that they never saw coming, which was this. In, in the ancient world, they believed that whatever was stamped with someone's image, it belonged to that someone, right? Okay, so if, if, I, if, you know, if I walk in and I stamp my face into, you know, into, um, onto something for some whatever reason, onto a coin or a poster or whatever, that belongs to me. That's how they saw it. Your face is on it. It's yours. It, it really belongs to the person whose image is on it. So he's saying whatever, it's got Caesar's image on it, it belongs to Caesar. But they understood what he was saying because Genesis teaches that we are made in what? The image and likeness of God. And so he tells the Pharisees, give Caesar's coins back to him, but you belong to God. Right? And they never saw that coming. So he knows, he knows they don't really want an answer. He knows that they're hypocrites. And he exposes them for that. Should we do the same? Well, there are a couple things you need to keep in mind here. All right? We'll talk about the whole Facebook thing here in a second when, you know, if we have enough time to really get into it. But Jesus saw into the hearts of people. All right? Jesus was not only man, he was God. So he could see into your heart and see what was going on, right? He could see what was going on in your mind. He could see what was going on in your soul. Can you do that? No. You can't pull that off, right? You, you just can't. There are moments. There are moments of insight, right? When you're sitting there and you're... I, and, and you're I have been in courtrooms, right? I have had cases where the opposing counsel started talking... And I could tell by the look on his face, the look in his eyes, by the way he was shuffling through his paper that he's lost, he has no idea where he's going. You have those moments of insight when you can look and see that this guy's just trying to pull fast, when this guy's not going anywhere, this guy has nothing to stand on. But those, frankly, are rare. Typically, we don't know how that's going. So if you're going to call someone out as being a hypocrite, be very, very, very careful. I'm going to have some points uh, to relate to you about you know, how to, you know, how to, what to think about before you respond to criticism. But here I think we need to not just say, you know, if you go and point your you know, finger in somebody's face and say, you're a hypocrite. And they're, like, and, you're, you know, and they're like, I thought you were a Christian. Well, Jesus called people hypocrites. Yeah, well, but Jesus could see their soul. You can't. So keep that in mind. Verse 18. Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders, who say there is no resurrection from the dead. That was the difference between Sadducees and Pharisees, one of the differences. You know, kind of like, oh, what's the difference between Presbyterians and, and, and Methodists? Is that, you know, and you've got to get into that. Well, 
there were theological disagreements among Jews too, and they fought. And, and so the, the Sadducees said that um, only the first five books of the Bible are valid. They only accepted Genesis through Deuteronomy. They said there's nothing that says anything about resurrection in those first five, so therefore there's no resurrection. And that's where they kind of stood theologically. And the Pharisees and Sadducees argued about that. So now here they come to ask their question. Another opponent. And they pose this question. Teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died without children. I, 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 if I'm Jesus, you know, only Jesus can follow this, right? I'm just like, I need, like a, I need a chart at this point, right? Of all the people that are marrying and, and, and croaking and and. Is this widow not the black widow of death, for goodness sakes? <laughs> if you're like a younger brother, you're going, please, no. <laughs> you're running away, right? Um, so the second brother married the widow, but he also died without children. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died, finally. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection for all Seven married her. Now, do they believe in resurrection? So is this an authentic question? No, they don't care, right? If you don't believe, this is like, you, you know, how many of you have seen the documentary that was filmed around here about Bigfoot? Not your typical Bigfoot movie, right? Have you seen it? It's on Netflix. There's a dot, there are two guys who live around here who go out and hunt Bigfoot, and they followed him around, and these guys claim they have seen Bigfoot 150-some times. And if you ask them for, like, pictures, they will show you, like, shrubs uh, out in Shawnee Forest, and they will say he was hiding behind the shrub. (laughs) Obviously, Bigfoot, you know, we just need to proclaim in the woods, Bigfoot is playing the ultimate game of hide-and-seek. He wins. Let's just move on, right? And so, and they really believe this. Now, I've seen these guys all the time. And I've always wanted to talk to him, but I, I know because I'm such a smart aleck that would go badly, so I just stay away from it. If I go up and ask them a Bigfoot question, it's not a valid question because I don't believe in Bigfoot, right? There may be big, hairy, drunk guys walking around naked in the woods, <laughs> Right? Because you always, you never see Bigfoot in Manhattan. No, you never see Bigfoot in a downtown anywhere. It's not like, I mean, every once in a while, a bear will wander into a city, but you never see Bigfoot like that, right? Bigfoot is always in, like, West Portsmouth in the middle of the night. So that could, <laughs> that, that could be a guy who, you know, had too many, listened to a lot of George Jones, may he rest in peace, and then just decide to take a little nature walk. I don't know. That can happen, but Bigfoot ain't out there. All right, so if I ask them that question, it's not a real question. So they're not asking a real question. So how does Jesus reply? And verse 24, Jesus replied, Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. But now as to whether the dead will be raised... Because they're sitting there thinking, well, we don't believe in the resurrection anyway. He says, but haven't you read this about the writings of Moses? Books of Moses, verse 5. So he's going to their territory, right? About this in the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. You made a serious error. Okay, now, 
Here we have a second example of criticism coming. People coming, asking a question. It's not really a question. Have you been there? Where people ask you a question and they're not really looking for an answer. They're looking for a fight. They're looking to make you stupid. Whatever, right? Okay, you've been there. Now, the way Jesus responds is he takes them to school. He goes onto their territory and he shows them how they're wrong from their own books. But the reason this didn't devolve into a fist fight is because he's recognized as a rabbi, and rabbis were given a certain amount of respect, and they expected a little bit of this give and take. And Jesus knew about what he was talking about. Another difference? Let's say that um, you're like me, and you reject Darwinism. Okay? Um, and I reject Darwinism for scientific reasons, not um, necessarily biblical reasons. I think there's some serious scientific flaws with evolution. And so, let's say, though, that you agree with me, right? And you consider yourself an expert because you spent two hours at the Creation Museum. And somebody you went to high school with makes a statement about evolution, and they happen to hold a Ph.D. in microbiology. Should you start arguing with them and jump onto their territory and start debating them? No. Jesus know of where he spoke. If you don't, you're not going to school the other person. You're going to look dumb. And when you look dumb, I don't know about you, but whenever someone makes me look dumb, like my wife does daily, because she's smarter than I am, and she has to, when she explains science to me, she has to speak, she, she, you, you know that... I've really, like, blown her mind that how little I know when she explains a scientific fact like this. Now, Matthew. <laughs> and she tries to use little words, you know. I mean, that's, that's, that's when I know. And so she has a degree in microbiology, and so on scientific questions, I usually go to her. And even when now, because I don't understand half of what she's saying, I just nod and, and, and so, you know, I, I shouldn't get into a back and forth. That's just, that's, that's stupid for me, for me to do that, right? Um, and, and so you need to know, do I know enough here to speak up? It, it's okay to have an opinion about something. But if you hold an opinion strongly enough and you don't know what the other side believes, you really don't have good grounds to debate. You should not go after them. Another difference between Jesus and you, right? You don't want to do this. I hear, I taught a course on apologetics. Uh, I've been studying it for about a year or so. And a person comes up to me before I spoke on evolution. And they said, well, that's the easiest thing in the world to disprove. And I'm like, really? Why? He said, well, there's still monkeys. Um, that is not the theory of evolution. Evolution does not teach that all monkeys become people. That is not what the theory of evolution teaches. There are many Darwinists who believe that human beings come from an ape-like creature, not an ape. And that Darwinism teaches that if you're in a climate where 
where whatever body type you are, if you don't mutate, you're doing just fine. You stay that way. This is natural selection, random mutation, blah, 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 blah. So, if you say something like this to a Darnus, well, they're still monkeys, you're going to look dumb. And I've said this many times, and you need to keep this in mind. Stupid for Jesus is still stupid. It, it just is. So don't try to do those kind of things. You're not Jesus on that front either. So keep that in mind. 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the bait. Now we come to a third group. These are what we call the scribes, okay? And so he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of the religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying there is only one God and no other. And I, and I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now, this scribe, is he asking an authentic question? I think he is. The indication is that he's so impressed with Jesus that he now wants to drill down and ask, oh, okay, okay, what's the core of your faith? Where are you at? What's the center? And he says, to love God with all my heart, soul, and to love my neighbors, myself. And he's like, yeah, me too. I agree. That's the core of the faith. And Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from worshiping and seeing God as he is. Now, the scribes have never been friendly to Jesus, but he asked an authentic question. I know atheists who will do this. Sometimes they have moods where they just want to argue, and sometimes they are like I was when I was an atheist. They had those moments of despair when they asked real questions. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you, just because somebody has torn you down in the past, just because somebody has gone at it with you before, if they ask you a question, sometimes they're really asking a question. Sometimes they say, hey, that's interesting. They mean it. And you don't want to short-circuit that. Then you want to have a discussion. Right? This is what Jesus does. And this is something, yes, you can follow. This makes sense. We'll talk more about that in a second. Let's finish the rest of the chapter up. Later, as Jesus was teaching um, the people in the temple, he asked, Why do the teachers of religious law claim that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David himself called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? The large crowd listened to him with great delight. Now, why do you think there's a large crowd? Part of it is because Jesus is very popular, but also because he's been having these debates. People are there. People are watching. And now more people are interested. So these back and forth he's had has actually brought more people together. 
Um, Jesus also taught, this is verse 38, Beware uh, of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious, making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the crowds drop in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came in and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. All of this back and forth brings a crowd. Now the temptation is going to be this. The temptation is going to be, especially in Facebook, because there seems to be this misunderstanding about Facebook. I I was teaching a class in Scottsdale, Arizona last um, October, and I was teaching a group of people, mainly over 50, about how to use Facebook and Twitter, which was interesting. And... For, for example, they, they, they thought that, they really thought that if they posted something on Facebook, not only could all their friends see it, but all their friends' friends see it. And I was like, no, that's not how the Facebook works, okay? That's, that's not the way it works. Your friends can see it, but quite frankly, most of your friends are not going to see it. Unless you have five friends on Facebook, which, bless your heart, just come talk to me afterwards. I'll be your friend. Um, it's... <laughs> Um, unless you're that person. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but if you've got a lot, if you've got several hundred or several thousand people you're friends with on Facebook, you don't see everything posted, right? I hope not. If so, if so please come talk to me. You've really got to get a life. Um, you know, you're not, you, you don't see everything. You get, you get certain segments and Facebook kind of does this thing where they, they actually, the people that see your, you pop up on their newsfeed, they pop up on yours typically is because you have same kind of likes, you interact with them a lot, and those are the people that tend to be put in your news feed, okay? It's, it's calibrated that way, all right? So it's just typically people like that. I get this all the time. I, I will state something like on my blog or on Facebook, and somebody thinks that I'm taking a shot at them. I'm like, I don't even know who you are that you were posting anything. I don't, I mean, you know, I've got 1,500 people on Facebook that are my friends, I think I know five of them, and so, you know, I, I've got like 1,500 people on Facebook, and, and, and so, you know, just because I state something on Facebook doesn't mean I'm talking about you. I had no idea you'd said anything about this at any time. You know, I, I don't know, right? Um, and, and so, Facebook has this, this there, there, you can get sucked into this mentality where it's like, anything you state, if somebody challenges you on it, you've got to fire back because if you have 1,500 friends, all 1,500 of them are sitting there watching at that moment and waiting to see what you do. And do you have the backbone and brains to say something or not? When in reality, maybe three people see it. Right? And one of them cares. I see back and forth on Facebook all the time. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Right? I mean, do you have time to get in all those? I hope not. So part of why Jesus is having all this back and forth is, is because he's doing it in public and he's doing it in front of this crowd. And, and so, you know, sometimes he has to respond 
because they're sitting there going, is this guy legit? He's really different. He sounds really different. So is, you know, is he legit? And so they're really waiting to see how does he respond to the Pharisees? How does he respond to the Sadducees? How does he respond to the scribes? How does he respond to all these people? And so he had to respond. And he knew how to respond. We usually don't. We just don't. So you're not, there's not a cloud of witnesses watching your back and forth on Facebook. That's one. Two, do you really know what the other person is doing? Probably not. Probably not. And so you've got to ask yourself whether or not it's really worth it to do this. And the same applies to back and forth in a restaurant, at work, wherever. Is it really worth discussing? Is it really worth getting into it? Nine times out of ten, it's not. Nine times out of ten, you're not in front of a crowd. People's eternity are not, are not you know, at stake. And it's really disturbing to me that a person can say something about God and, 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 and we're just like, maybe we just become so used to it. We're just like, uh, okay, that person doesn't believe, whatever. But if, like, you're a Reds fan, and they're, you know, and they're, a, God forgive them, a Nationals fan, and they say something, oh, it's on. Right? And I, I'm almost ready just to, like, just like totally ignore Facebook for all of college football season. Because people go ape, absolutely insane, over 18 to 22-year-old boys throwing and catching a ball, which is all it is. And for some reason, we invest our identity in that. I mean, you can be at a church where no one is getting saved, no one is growing, and you're like, eh. But if the Buckeyes lose, the whole week falls apart. Are you serious? It's, do you know 18 to 22-year-old boys? Do you know any? I, I, I mean, are you serious? And so, you know, you know what kind of mentality they have? It's amazing they can do, get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you know, and, and so you know, they're 18 to 22-year-old boys. And have you heard some of them interviewed? If they couldn't pass that ball, would they be in college? No. <laughs> and okay, I will pick on one school here. For example, I, I think I'm safe here. Remember the Fab Five from Michigan? Okay, all five great players, but I remember listening to one of them be interviewed. And a couple of them are actually, they may be jerks. Chris Webber's a jerk, but he's actually pretty smart. But another one of them was interviewed. I could not understand a word coming out of his mouth. Now, he may have been drunk. I don't know, but I mean, I could not understand a word he was saying, and he was butchering the English language. I'm like, University of Michigan is supposed to be like up there at the Ivy League. So if this guy could not hit three-pointers, there's no way he gets into the University of Michigan. It's not going to happen. 
we're applauding this? We're investing our identity in this? We determine whether or not we're happy by this? This is insane. And we're going to argue about this? On Facebook? I have seen some of the nastiest back and forth with Christians over football, basketball, and baseball on Facebook. And some of these people have families. I just want to send them a message like, instead of arguing about the 18 to 22-year-old who threw the ball, go take your kid and throw a ball. Right? What are you doing? And does anybody ever win those? Have you ever seen somebody on Facebook go, oh my gosh, you're right, now I'm a Michigan fan. You have convinced me your logic is absolutely impeccable. Where have you been in all my life, sir? That doesn't happen. It always ends with basically things I can't repeat. Why do you do it? There's no reason to do it. And you cannot, most times, do what Jesus did, with the exception of answer legitimate questions. And let's say, even if... It turns out it's not a legitimate question. Let's say you have a friend who's an atheist or he hates Christianity and he asks you a legitimate question, sounds like a legitimate question, about like the resurrection of Jesus. How can you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And so on Facebook, you give a response. Well, here's the historical evidence. Here's why I believe Jesus was actually physically resurrected from the grave. And they're like, you're an idiot. How can you... And they go, you know what you do? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, you were wrong. It wasn't a legit question. So what? So what? I, I have my disagreements with, with a guy named Donald Miller, who's a writer. He's a really good writer, and I like a lot of his stuff. I, just, I have some theological disagreements with him. But he said, he was telling a story once about an argument he had after Thanksgiving um, dinner. Ever been at one of those? Seen those? Right? <laughs> And so it's after things, and he's having this argument with his uncle about whether or not to shop at Walmart. Really, you know, eternal stuff, right? And so they're going back and forth about whether or not to shop at Walmart. And finally, it's getting heated. And Donald Miller realized, I'm a Christian. I'm arguing after Thanksgiving dinner with a family member of mine about Walmart. And he said, you know what? He stopped. He said, you know what? We're not going to agree. And the simple fact is, I love you. You're a family member. And this is not worth a heated discussion. That is what I would call a mature Christian thing to do. Right? Just let it go. Just let it go. But should you always let it go? Here's a few things um, I found. There's There's a couple websites that I go to regularly. And, and one pastor... Um, had put up um, some stuff that I thought was really good. He said, how do you handle criticism? And, and here's how he laid it out. He said, first things first, listen to the other person. Really listen. Sometimes, I, I see this, especially on Facebook, but not just Facebook. I, I see this out and about. We jump on somebody when they weren't really looking for an argument and we weren't really understanding what they were saying in the first place. Right? They're making a joke. We don't think it's a, a, a joke. Right? And I, I, I've been very careful. I, I, you know, um, I'm one of those guys who, who drives around and, and for whatever sick, twisted, distorted reason, I have these dumb one-liners that come. And, of course, I go and tweet it, right? And, and, and so I, I've had this where I've just made a joke. Like, I made a joke about why are there running magazines 
I mean, you have one page that says left, right, left, right, left, right, don't fall, done. What else do you need to know, right? And I mean, and I, so I just, I made this joke, and it was a joke, and one person got really offended. Hey, I read running magazines. Okay. <laughs> they thought I was serious, that I was like, I was like bagging on how dumb runners are. I was like, it's a joke. Obviously not a good one, all right? So just chill out. Take a second and ask, do I really understand what this person is saying? And one of the ways you can do that is you can try to paraphrase or recast what they've said to see if you really understand it. Can it be interpreted another way? Um, go out of your way to affirm somebody, okay? This especially happens because I, I work for a Christian ministry, um, a Christian legal ministry that does a lot of controversial things. And, and so because they do controversial things, you know, we'll, we'll win a case and I'll post it on my Facebook page and some people will get offended. And, and so, you know, I, this one time we posted because my, the group I work for is suing Planned Parenthood. We're suing Planned Parenthood uh, because, for, for Medicare fraud. And, and, and so we've got all these former executive directors of Planned Parenthood who said we helped perpetuate this fraud. And, and we have signed affidavits saying all this and all that kind of stuff. And so we're suing them. And, and, and so I put up that we have these three cases that have become unsealed. We're suing Planned Parenthood. And this one guy got really upset. I said, how can you sue Planned Parenthood? What's wrong with you? Da, 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 da. Now, um, what I didn't do and should have done was recognize that this guy is coming from, even though a viewpoint I radically disagree with, he's coming from a viewpoint he believes is right, he believes is just, and he believes is helping other people. And I should have said that first. Hey, look, I understand that you're coming from this viewpoint and so forth. We're going to disagree on that, but go out of your way to actually be nice to the person who's not being nice to you. Start that way. Ask yourself, do I understand what's going on here? Be nice to them. Now, I understand that's, that's literally a kind of injustice. And injustice is literally a kind of little death. I, I understand that. It's like you, you, we scream every time. You, you ever been, I, when I ran away from home when I was 15 years old, um, there were all kinds of rumors swirling about me. Some of them still out there, apparently. And, and so when I ran away from home, I did a lot of things. And, and Steve was there. He was my best friend through high school. He used to, you know, we used to come hang out all the time. And yeah, you know, we drank and, and we chased girls and we partied all night. We were too loud and we did stupid juvenile stuff like mailbox baseball and all that kind of stuff. But there were rumors that we were like doing drugs and selling drugs. That never happened. That never happened. I mean, you guys, you know, who know me know... I. You know, even, you know, when I was, before I became a Christian, I didn't even get buzzed because I'm such a control freak. That freaks me out. So I'm not going to drugs. Are you kidding me? There's no way. I, I, I don't get getting high. I don't get it. You know, I understand some of you have struggled with that. God bless you. I don't get it. Okay? You know, people talk to me about, oh, I got drunk. And, and I was like, why? Oh, because I got wasted. Why? Oh, man, the room was spinning. Why would you want the room to spin? <laughs> Why would you want to turn your bedroom into a county fair ride? That makes no sense to me at all. I don't want to spin. I don't want to spin. I don't want to puke. I don't want to wake up with a headache. I don't get it. Right? And, and so that, it just it didn't happen. So those rumors are, are out there. And, and so when you hear a rumor about you that's wrong, don't you get mad? Don't you see like it's an injustice? Don't you feel like, I've got to put that fire out. I'm going to, you know, and you want to find out who did it and all this kind of stuff. And he says, 
Oh, let it go. You just got to learn to let it go. And there are two ways that I would say that this pastor said the most important thing is to stay in control. And I would say that the way you do that is this. How do you deal with rumor? Same, same way you deal with criticism and disagreement debates, the same way you deal with rumors about yourself and this desire to just go. Pray. Pray. First, pray. And when you pray, I want you to remind yourself of this. God, you want to talk about injustice? God himself left his throne, became a peasant, and was tortured and killed on your behalf. Pray that, and then see how angry you still are. The way this section ends, with all this criticism, Mark knew what he was doing, is with Jesus with his disciples and saying, look at the rich people over there giving their little tithe, and then look at this poor woman who gave everything. He's trying to teach his disciples that in this world, if you're a Christian, all likelihood, you're not going to have much. But if you have your life, and if you have this life, and you give it to Jesus Christ, you've given everything. And that means more than giving a lot of money. That means more than how much talent you have and how much praise you get for Jesus. It's it's that you give everything. And, and, And the God who is saying that you... Giving everything is the key. Gave everything himself on your behalf. And he didn't do it so that you could stay up late at night and argue pointlessly with people on Facebook. He did not, Jesus Christ did not sit on his throne before the earth was created and look ahead, thousands, thousands, millions, billions, years, whatever it was, and, and see you and say, despite the fact that Matt Rawlings will spit in my face most of his life, that he will rebel against me, that he deserves hell. I am going to make him. I am going to protect him up to 40 years. I am going to die for him so that he can argue about Kentucky basketball on Facebook. Really? We have to be people who let it go. The rest of the world, identify, they make themselves their identity up by sports, clothes, what they watch, who their friends are, where they go, their education, their bank account, their looks. And we have to be the people who say, that doesn't really matter. What matters is relationship with Jesus Christ and how we show others Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's an injustice to be called names. It's an injustice to be to be called out. It's 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 irritating to me to see when people make stupid statements. It's not worth arguing about. It's not worth arguing about. Don't you want to bring that person to Jesus Christ? Don't you want to see that person grow closer to Jesus Christ? Then why win a battle to lose the war? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that despite our 
arrogance, our selfishness, our, our desire to, to argue, to, to be right, to, to, to be the best, to show people how much smarter we are, to show people how much better we are because of what we, what we believe, what we, what we own, who we like, all this other kind of stuff. That, that the simple fact is you made us, you died for us, you're coming back for us, and that we need to keep that at the front of our thinking, at the core of our life, so that when we face criticism, when we face debate, when we face argument, we do so in a way that glorifies you, even if that means we lose the argument. Even if we have to concede, you know what? You're right. Your music's better. You know what? You're right. Your team is better. You know what? Who cares? May we just show people who you are because of what you've done for us. And may we now worship you for all that you are and all you've done for us and will do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.